0: From BYU Broadcasting's Performance Studio, this is Highway Eighty Nine. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Today's program is a taste of Brazil and that includes music, it includes dancing, and yes, even desserts. If you're not an expert on Brazilian desserts, you will wish you were by the time we talk about them today. We have a classical duo in the studio, piano and guitar, Lucas Pullen, Dustin Gledhill, with a program that they have recently performed to a sold-out show in New Orleans sponsored by the Musical Arts Society of New Orleans. They are going on to perform this in New York and then to Brazil, the actual Brazil. But we're glad that we're on the list, too, for our radio program today for Highway 89. And when we asked them why they brought the show to Provo, uh, Dustin Gledhill said, the idea sprouted from our sponsor, And we've morphed it to adapt to every city we play in, including locals with Brazilian backgrounds or specialties, which included a restaurant here in Provo, for example, who sponsored the traditional Brazilian dessert called Rigadeiro. Yes, more about that later. Both of our performers are graduates of the Juilliard Performance Conservatory in New York City, among other credits. We'll talk more, but let's start out with music. Prelude number one in E minor. This is Lucas Pullen performing this work by Villa-Lobos. Thank you. Guitarist Lucas Pullen, performing work by Etor Villa Lobos, his prelude number one in E Minor. Live in studio for Highway 89. Our program today is A Taste of Brazil. Lucas Pullen was born in Brazil, began his musical studies at the age of nine, guitar lessons at 13, enrolled in the Sousa Lima Conservatory at 15 for a few years, ended up at the Juilliard School as a student of Grammy Award-winning guitarist Sharon Isbin and postgraduate diploma, studying with others. Now you perform, now you teach. And thank you for coming in today, Lucas. You're welcome,
1: Steve. So the piece
0: you just played, that prelude number one, that actually ties in with your interest in guitar.
1: Yes, exactly. It was a piece that I started taking lessons because my brother used to play the guitar and I was always listening to him. And I picked up by myself and tried a few things here and there. And friends in school wanted to create a band, and they called me as well. I was like, "Do you want to play the guitar? You want to play the electric guitar?" in the band I was like, "Yeah, I want to play the guitar, but I want to play the classical guitar?" I was like "Why?" <laughs> I had no idea at the point what I was getting myself into uh-huh. but um, I started taking lessons to improve my playing, and my teachers saw that I could read a little bit of music because I studied the organ when I was a kid and um, very soon, he introduced me to this prelude, and it was just magic to me. I just learned a piece in a week or so and played for him. It was like, what? You already learned this? <laughs> <laughs> that was not in my plans. <laughs> well, it's nice and when it, when you connect with a piece like that. Yes, and I've been playing it for all these years, and I still do it, and I love it. I think it's a great piece that talks... Villa Lobos wrote this piece in 1940, and he wrote a set of five preludes. And he dedicated each of them to a specific Brazilian um, theme. So the first one, this one, is dedicated to the countryside man of Brazil. And I grew up in a city that's quite small for Brazil, I guess. And on the weekends, my parents have a house close to the mountains. And it's very much in nature. And I kind of feel that connection with the piece that way.
0: Nice. (laughs) Beautifully played. We're glad to have you because we know the two of you are flying to New York later today. Yes. <laughs> so that you really did literally squeeze us in. But I want to ask: when you were a starving student in New York City, did you ever take your guitar out on the street and just play and put your your case out there? That we always picture
1: music yeah, yeah. students
0: <laughs> are busking. A very, to... <laughs> there's a
1: that's a very interesting question because um, in New York it feels like musicians will starve their whole life nowadays. You know, just. <laughs> Price of rent and the price of living there mm-hmm. and I actually never I'm not never but almost never played my guitar on the streets and oh. the only time I did was probably not even a month ago <laughs> <laughs> I tried and I'm, I'm I was very very shy to do it uh-huh. because it's something it's very exposed and so I went to the park It was a very warm day Uh, I sit down in the corner there very shy and played for a little bit nobody gave any attention I went to a different spot I played for a little while there was this Jewish old man sitting there and he sat there for like 5 minutes and laughed (laughs) and I somebody threw a coin and I don't know if they were trying it just fell out of their pocket and it <laughs> felt bad and just put a quarter in my case but i made 25 cents that day okay so
0: it wasn't to wash <laughs> it was it was a successful busking yeah, experience I, I guess so <laughs> it's a good experience we're, we'll talk more later we're going to hear some more music now we're going to hear from dustin gladhill now and he's going to play a piece by gabriel Faure. and i know you're probably thinking wasn't he from france Yes, you're right. We'll talk about a Brazilian connection in just a moment. Dustin Gledhill here performing Nocturne Number no. 1 in E-flat minor by Foray. Dustin Gledhill performing Nocturne Number no. 1 in E-flat minor. That's music by Gabriel Fauré. Dustin started playing at the age of three. Age five gave his first recital to a sold-out crowd at a 300-seat auditorium. No pressure for a five-year-old. And performed Gershwin Rachmaninoff with symphonies by the age of seven. Again, did you feel a lot of pressure at that time, or was it just kind of what you did?
2: There, there was pressure, but it was all I knew.
0: You know, it was exciting. I loved it. And then you've gone on study at Juilliard, the Royal Academy of Music, Manhattan School of Music, collaborator also with dance productions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll ask about that in a minute. But first, the Foray connection with Brazil. Mostly, well, first of all, I love
2: Foray, a little bit of a Foray freak, and <laughs> and so selfishly, we included that. And also, Foray later on in his life, he was a director of the Paris Conservatoire, and um villalobos he traveled to paris and he he studied there and and he went there and experienced the saturated musical culture that was that was paris at in, in that time and he after he left Paris, his music changed drastically it changed quite a bit and there is a lot of debussy influence there is um the foray he must have you know been influenced by his style and his Um, the dance forms of Chopin and, you know, different times, but there's quite a bit of a French influence in his later works.
0: Interesting musical cross pollinations Mm -hmm. when people from different schools of of music meet. Absolutely. And and fall in love with new forms. Let me ask about dance, because you have written, uh, in fact, a ballet for the Marigny Opera Ballet in New Orleans. In fact, we'll hear a piece from that later. Mm -hmm. How did you start writing for ballet? Well,
2: it, I ought to say it's more modern dance than than ballet. They're ah. the Marigny Opera Ballet, but they're a, a modern dance company. Mm-hmm. And that came about with my connection to New Orleans in 2006. I won the competition, international piano competition there and have returned every year a few times since and uh, went to this beautiful church in the neighborhood of the Marigny, which is just next to the French Quarter. And we... I went to to this renovated 19th century church and they were restoring it and there was musical meditations going on there, free concerts, and met the people that were involved and um, gave a free concert for them and then eventually met their choreographers and had a beautiful collaboration with a a woman named Maya Taylor. Um, And the the piece that we'll hear is is called Her Elegy and it's devoted to her mother who passed away and also my grandmother who uh,
0: got me started in music, Mm. basically. Is this the first time you've had a, a piece like this that has toured around or gone on the road? Uh, we, uh,
2: yes, the, this kind of a thing. I, I performed in Paris at the, uh, excuse me, London, Sadler's Wells with uh, Pina Bausch and her her company. And that was pre, uh, no composition on my end there, but uh, a version of Tchaikovsky
0: concerto in C major. And you were performing on stage. <laughs> yes. Interesting yes. collaboration because usually it seems like you'd be so inward in focusing on the music, but uh-huh. to be so aware of, of the dancers and tempos that they're used to. I guess in my secret life, I wanted to be a dancer. <laughs> okay, you can so. satisfy all your secret. In your secret uh-huh. life, did you ever also want to be a pastry cook? I, a cook, yes, actually. <laughs> I did. You're working it all in. So whose idea was it to do this literal taste of Brazil and incorporate dance as well as music and also the desserts of the country? Well, Kara Masno
2: is the executive director of New Orleans Musical Arts Society. Uh, she and uh, Keith Laskal uh, came up with the idea. They invited me to do a salon concert there as a fundraiser. And then I said, well, let's let's do something a bit different. You know, it's difficult to attract new audiences to classical mm-hmm. music. And I wanted to explore other ways that we could do that. And so I thought, OK, let's take a culture and extract what we can from the local neighborhood, and we had a beautiful uh, meal uh, sponsored by Cafe Carmo in New Orleans, and then we had a, a dancer, Brazilian dancer, come and teach the mishishi, uh, a traditional Brazilian polka, essentially, and it was, it was a great experience and
0: good good crowd. Good. Well, we'll talk more, but let's hear some more music. We're going to hear the next piece is one by, performed by Lucas Poland. Sounds of bells is the name of this. The translation, my my uh, my Portuguese, is not going to be great. But Son de carinhos. Okay, see, I'm still being corrected. It's the sounds of bells. Let's go with that by João Pernambuco. Here you go. <laughs> Sounds of Bells by Joao Pernambuco, Lucas Pollan, classical guitar. And I want to talk about the Mexiche just a wee bit because we're going to hear some more music in just a minute. But that Mexiche that was referred to a polka, sort of sometimes called a Brazilian tango. And if you want a picture during the music that you're hearing today, during the program, A Taste of Brazil, a dance expert will come and teach people this dance. And one thing we found out about the Mexiche, which is that it said it's, quote, childishly simple to learn, but extremely difficult to dance well. So I uh, wish we had the instructor. Maybe we'll dance around in the studio here just <laughs> a little bit. We're going to hear a combination now of piano and acoustic guitar on a piece by a very unique composer. Francisca was her first name, but she goes by Shikinia Konsaga. The piece is called White Moon, Lucas Pullen, and Dustin Gledhill. piece is Lua Branca by Chiquinha Gonzaga, the translation is The White Moon, Lucas Poland and Dustin Gladhill, acoustic guitar and piano. Lucas, are you excited after New York to head back to Brazil?
1: Yes, I am. I haven't been for about a year and a half, as long as I've been away from my homeland. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so when you go back, will you, be, will you be going to your home or performing elsewhere?
1: Yes, mainly this is a trip that my one of my best friends is getting married, so it's it, we have to be there. It, <laughs> we, we, it works out very but well. But we, we would like to try to bring this to Brazil and it would be very interesting to perform Brazilian music in Brazil and to tell the story that we have in the program to Brazilian people too, I mean, to instruct the, the audience into an old form of music nowadays. I mean, it's still very present in the culture, but it's just, I mean, it's almost a hundred years ago, mm. you know.
0: So when you bring Dustin in, how's his interpretation of the Portuguese rhythms
1: and the Brazilian rhythms and ah. the... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's actually something that he has been picking up very naturally. I mean, his Portuguese is also improving uh, at a rate that I'm actually amazed. Um... Sometimes, you know, he comes, he's home, and that we, I hear a word or a phrase that I've not taught him. And it's like, where did you learn? That? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about koro. Shoros shoros, Choros.
0: Thank you Choros. very much. So uh, what is this tradition of this kind of song?
1: Well, the, the, the choro is a type of music that developed in the 19th century Joaquim Calado is the responsible composer that made this musical form more solid. And uh, it's an urban style as well because it was developed mainly in Rio de Janeiro. And Is
0: it like the Fado songs from Portugal?
1: Not quite. It's more of a Polka, habanera, uh, mm. and um, Mazurka, Chorish influence with the mix with the African rhythms, like the lundu and the batuki. That's what we, um, that's how the, the, the Shoro got developed. And it's a group of musicians that sit around a circle and play with each other, improvise as well. Mm-hmm. And Shoro means cry and lament, right? They also call it chorinho, which is the diminutive of it. Like The choroings are the people that play it. And it's very interesting because Villa Lobos, we, we made the concert sort of like s- surrounding the life of Villa Lobos. And at an early age, he um, lost his father when he was about 12 years old, and he got to experience the music of the local musicians and he became a chorão as well. He mm. became one of and played with them for a long time. Uh João Pernambuco too moved from the northeast of Brazil and participated in that. Later on in his in João Pernambuco's life he hosted uh you know shoro parties or choro groups to come to his house and play. So it's a very, very you know, very much into the culture, the choro. Everybody knows it. Flutes, clarinets tambourines, guitars, the, the, the mandolin, the cavaquinho, which is a four-string instrument, string instrument. So it's it's just great. That's nice. Thing well,
0: we'll good get, let you get set up for another piece here. We don't have mandolins and the various other four-stringed instruments, but besides uh, the acoustic guitar and the piano, we're going to add voice because it's a song after all. Our next piece, Corcovado, is by Antonio Carlos Jobim. This song talks about a mountain, and not just any mountain, but it's the mountain where the famous figure of the Christ up above Rio de Janeiro is. So we'll hear Lucas Pullen, guitar, Dustin Gledhill, piano and voice. <laughs>
3: Este amor, uma canção Pra fazer feliz a quem se ama Muita calma pra pensar E ter tempo pra sonhar Da janela ver seu corpo convado Redentor que, que a vida sempre assim, como você perto. That you, my... Crente deste mundo. Ao encontrar você, eu conheci.
0: Corcovado by Antonio Carlos Jobim, Lucas Pullen, and Dustin Gladhill performing. Dustin, I understand uh, you're really expanding your repertoire here (laughs) in a number of ways. I hear you've also, besides your piano, you've added harpsichord recently. Uh, Yeah, first performance of harpsichord was a couple months ago. Is that because
2: you're tired of using the pedal or...? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <the> absolutely <laughs> hate that piano no i love a french baroque music mm-hmm. and i performed a bunch of uh, rameau and Couperin on, the, on the piano um, but had a chance to to play some in, in new orleans as well with with a dance company interesting
0: so, is it yeah. harder to find a harpsichord when you're traveling around than it is a piano i'm imagining it Thankfully, would be
2: they provided one and that, <laughs> it all worked out but yes they're they're a bit fewer and far between
0: Okay, but but, and there is yet another side of your music, and I have to point people to a website, HiveRiot.com, which is a collaboration with your sister-in-law, Mindy Uh Gledhill, also a well-known singer and and writer. But tell me about this, because this is in a whole different world. It's a very different world.
2: She, She called me up when she's been a member of the family for a long time now, and she called me up one Christmas, and she said... Let's be in a band together, Dustin. And, and I just thought she was joking for, for quite a while. And, and then she, she called me again and she said, hey, I found a producer. Um, and this is the first kind of track that we've been doing. And I, I got really excited because it's 80s-influenced synth pop. And I love music of the 80s. I love to dance around cheesy-like and have no rhythm. And um, so it, it turned into a real process of, of letting go um, and into a new musical discipline, a new genre, that I really was able to grow from it because you show up in the studio, you don't practice for 10 hours. You, you show up and you improvise and you feed off of other mm. musicians.
0: And, and you had, uh, you've also performed recently Webster Hall in New York, Provo's rooftop concert series, a big concert series here in town. How, How did that exciting? go actually doing that live, not in the studio? Well, my costume was a bit different. <laughs> it's very reflective, as a recall and, from pictures I saw. Yeah, yes.
2: <laughs> Hair can be as tall as I want, and you know, <laughs> maybe eventually cross that over into classical without making too many people upset. Um, it was a great experience uh, performing in front of people, a music that I'm not used to doing, and a letting go of that energy uh, that maybe perhaps is not in classical music, and it has opened up my. Ability for, for letting go in the classical mm. genre as well. Not well, you think about people stakes.
0: like Mozart who would be playing a piece that everyone knew, and then would just take off and improvise. Absolutely, yeah. That's missing from today's classical mm. world. Yeah. Nice addition. Well, let's hear one final piece. We can't let you go without hearing an original piece. This is by Dustin Glenthill. We mentioned earlier his collaboration with a dance company in New Orleans. This is her elegy. Mm. Part one, a commission by the Marigny Opera Ballet in New Orleans. Later, he even revised this as one of the songs of Hive Riot. Here is Dustin Gledhill. Dustin Gledhill performing his own work, her elegy, Part One, a commission from the Marini Opera Ballet in New Orleans, later revised as a song for Hive Riot. You can check out Dustin's music at GledhillPianoStudios.com or HiveRiot.com. Lucas Pullen and Dustin Gledhill, thank you both for coming and bringing us a taste of Brazil today. My pleasure. Welcome. If you are listening at home or you just caught part of the show, you'd like to hear the first part or share it, it's easy to do. All of our shows are archived online for free on-demand listening at byuradio.org highway89. Also follow us on Twitter at BYUH89 for live show updates and special behind-the-scenes photos and video clips. Highway 89 is a production of BYU Broadcasting in Provo, Utah. The recording engineer is Mark Waite. Our film assistant is Abby Horlocker, and the show's producer is Jackie Tataishi. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Thanks for listening.